there, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live. We are back with you after taking two weeks off for an NFL Live draft show that consumed our entire office for a little bit. So we are back with you. We are excited. I am Kayla Canaram alongside Dan Selke. Cheers, Dan. Cheers, Kayla. And cheers to everyone out there watching uh, Take the Black Live. We go with the latest in Game of Thrones song by some fire news. We're drinking a little today because, as you've seen, we haven't been back in a while, and we have a fancy new... Look at this set. All real wood-paneled set. We can dress it up with cool banners Stick and wood. such going down. Check it out. And uh, sorry for being away from you for two weeks, but we are back. We are here to discuss all the Game of Thrones, Song of and Fire news worth talking about. And as you can guess, Kayla, quite a lot happened in the two weeks we were we off. We have a lot to get to, yes. I mean, I can't do it without lubing up. <laughs> Intestines. <laughs> and thanks, everybody, for coming. Hey, Margaret. Hey, Kathy. Everyone else who's watching. Let's get into it, Kayla. Let's, Let's right start in. with, haven't done this in a while, but the latest news from the set of Game of Thrones Season 8, final season, being shot. And some big things happened while we were gone. Yep. The biggest of which is, remember that giant uh, King's Landing set they've been building for like, the past Ever? five months? Yes, I do. Okay, I, I've said this before, but I feel like I'm correct this time. Okay. It's done. It's finished. <laughs> what a relief. They've been working on it a while. It's, I mean, it, again, it's enormous. They're going to leave it up as a tourist attraction. That's how big it is. Mm -hmm. It's really, really cool. Looking You're going to go visit? It. Yeah, I, absolutely I will. Why yes. not? When, well, that's a great way to cap off the show. Um, they're finishing it, and we know that um, in part because they have, we've seen actors on it, mm -hmm. finally. Like Unsullied Soldiers. Dothraki. Dothraki Riders at the King's Landing set, which probably means they'll, you know, will be in King's Landing at some point. Looking forward to whatever that means. Cheers to, Cheers what to that. fresh hell that means for our beloved hero. <laughs> we also have more photos from the set. We got this one from Belfast Live. Um, <laughs> it's a coming. It's one of, they've actually added the facade of the Red Keep, the place where Cersei lives. Very cool. It is very cool. Like a proper wall like of a that castle. that is a set. That is. Look, it's even got the street. It's got the flags on either side. Again, just very, very immersion is the name of the game when it comes to the King's Landing set. Top notch, this show. And I'm sure it's going to look splendid on screen. I really am. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I mean, I, I feel almost invested in it now that I've been watching it kind of grow do up. Do you from... feel invested in Game of Thrones, Dan? I hope you do. In this specifically, just because, okay. I don't know, like I saw it when it was nothing, it was an empty lot, and now it's grown up, and I've finally seen it done. It's like watching a child grow before your eyes. Okay. Samuel wants to talk about Winds of Winter, and we're going to get to that, Samuel. Don't worry. We have a whole Winds of Winter section. Oh, yes. And don't go Gary LaPatra says, hello from the Great Lakes of North America. Well, hello, Gary. We're in the Great Lakes region, too. Cheers to the Great Lakes. Cheers to the Great Lakes. Like, can't set these down anymore. because It's not easy with the mic, and we're just going to hold on to them. <laughs> Keep them close. Uh, anyway, so they dusted with snow outside, and of course, the Dothraki and uh, Unsullied riding through the actual set, mm -hmm. which is great. I just love that it's finished and it's moving forward. That's what we like. Um, really quick, Dothraki and Unsullied there. What does that portend to you, Kayla? Anything specific? Um, something with Daenerys? It would have to be, yeah. Yes. I'm guessing they go up north get their butts kicked by the White Walkers, and or, or, or defeat them, and then one way or another come back down to either take refuge with Cersei or deal with Cersei, Yep, is my guess. Either way, we're in for a swell battle scene. And Game of Thrones does it well. Does it well, and it'll burn down that whole set. 
All right. Ooh, Emma says she got super close to the Belfast set a few weeks ago. Cool, Emma. That's pretty cool, Emma. I mean, th th there are plenty of people who are taking pictures of it, send sending pictures out on the internet. Again, it's so big, you can't really avoid it. It's just mm -hmm. kind of there. So, um, Emma, did you see anything cool? Let us know. Yeah, if you did, let us know. That'd be interesting. Um, another thing, this is a, uh, this is a spoiler, but not, not a huge one. Um, and this is a classic uh, l unintended leak from the Game of Thrones set. Kind of a rookie mistake, yep. but it, it's always fun when it happens. Um, the actor who plays Rhaegar Targaryen, Wilf Scolding, only been in, you know, the one scene last season. So he's new. He doesn't know how this works. Young Ned? Um, no, he was Rhaegar Targaryen's John's father. Lies. Jon okay. Snow's father. Yes, okay. We saw him really briefly. We saw him um, in... John's when, mom. Yeah, when okay. Bran went to the flashback, I saw them getting married in their secret marriage. So he was only there for one scene. There when we I go. first saw that picture, I thought it was Daenerys' brother, and I got really scared. It is supposed to. Because, like, you know, they're, they're brothers. Yes. So they look alike. They got the same hair, same 40-yard uh, stare. Less insanity in that one, though. <laughs> Ooh, Emma could see a polystyrene body molds they use on the set just above the fence. Ooh, Ooh that's cool. Those are the corpse blobs we saw earlier. Very Which we have cool, seen. Emma. That is very cool. Thank you, Erin. And I like the specificity. The polystyrene body molds. That's what's going to be there. Which, again, means dead people at the King's Landing. Not a huge surprise, but good to have confirmed. Yes. Thank you, Emma, our source here in Wick Live. To Cheers sources. to Emma. Cheers to Emma. <laughs> it's buttery. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But yeah, it's Charnays good. Charnays are usually buttery. Fair enough. This is Game I'm, of Thrones I'm news told. and uh, tips for when you enter dinner party. Want to describe <laughs> a white wine? <laughs> I took a wine class in college. True story. Very nice. Uh, anyway, so he posted a photo of himself on Instagram just outside a hotel in Belfast where all this is filming is happening. Mm -hmm. And it, it immediately went down because HBO probably got on him. Gave him a talking to. HBO, but it, no, no. It did clue us off to the minor spoiler that Rhaegar Targaryen coming back for season eight. Not like a huge thing, but good to know. You know, he, he's a very important character. I mean, as important as you can be having died before the first episode even began. Mm -hmm. um, Daenerys' older brother, Jon Snow's father. Kind of one of those people who kind of plays into the story in a big way, even though you never actually see him or see him very rarely. Right. Which is one of those tricks you can pull off on a story this dense, where there's this much intense backstory. Will we see him again? I imagine. We only saw him in Bran's flashbacks, yes. That, that was it. I mean, okay. how else can you see him? He's not going right. to walk through the front door and say hello. Exactly. Um, I imagine that'll happen again, right? We'll just see a Bran flashback of some kind. Mm -hmm. I hope we see him actually on, on the King's Landing set. Like walking around the ramparts where he grew up. That'd be cool to me. That would be cool. Um, if any of you have any ideas, what, how would you like Rhaegar to play into season eight? Because, I mean, th there's only one way it could happen, but I, I'm curious what we'll see him doing. Because he has a huge, long story for, you know, a, a dead character. There's a whole thing where um, he was at a tournament and he uh, rode past his wife and gave his token of love and beauty to John's mom and it caused a huge scandal out of the war. It was a whole kerfuffle. I like that word. To Rhaegar and kerfuffles. Ter how do you, kerfuffles. Kerfuffle. Hmm? Uh, kerfuffle. K-U-R-F-U-L. We're learning so much on the show today. <laughs> anyway, by the way, if you want to learn something, something you can learn is that we are available on um, iTunes in podcast form uh, and Google Play if you feel the need to listen to us on your yes. way to work. Or in any other capacity. Do iTunes. 
to iTunes. Check us out, subscribe, like, leave a comment, all that exactly. good stuff. Is it bad to not drink if you cheers? I don't think so. It's fine. And let's move on. Let's talk about, okay, an important topic. George R. R. Martin, The Winds of Winter, A Sacrifice and Fire. For better or worse, quite a bit came out while we weren't on. Um, George R. R. Martin. I don't know why just... I do this, because I don't even read the books. <laughs> but as if, if I were a fan that did read the books, I'd be really annoyed with him. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you, you are not out of step with many fans who have read the books. Um, we can talk about that. So l- let's go through some of the stuff that broke. So basically, okay. he, he transferred his blog over. Interesting side note. Um, he had a live journal blog for like years. Live journal being like a kind of an antiquated blogging platform that no one's really used since like the mid 2000s. Um, he put it over on his website. Possibly because LiveJournal is owned by Russia, and they just instituted new rules about um, censorship and stuff. But that's speculation. The point is, new post announcing that um, a new book is coming this year, Fire and Blood, an invented history of the Targaryen family, which is neat and nice. (laughs) Um, But it's not the one fans are really hoping for. It's not the one fans are really hoping for, no. It it, it is nice. Is there a lot of interest in the Targaryen I side mean, of things. Sure, I'll, I'll read it. Like he he likes this kind of stuff, which is maybe one of the issues I have. With I feel like his it, yeah, if you're a fan of the show, if you're a fan of the books, then you're gonna read whatever he puts out. Oh sure, and also it's um, it, it's kind of a hard sell because it's like a history. It's not a story. It's a history book, but it's not history that actually happened. It's <laughs> it's the history of the Targaryen dynasty. It, it's written like you know. Like um, that man have must like like have germs quite the imagination. Steel. He has a, obviously <laughs> enormous obviously, imagination, yes. ridiculously. You can't so. imagine having that large of an imagination. Sometimes I think he cares more about um, kind of the world building aspect of it than he does about like the plot moving forward. I can see that, but you know that's him and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But so that's coming out on November twentieth. So whoever wants, is excited for that, great. <laughs> Ooh, Emma says she will post the pic she got on, on, on our Facebook page after I finish watching you guys. We love that, Emma. Thank Emma, you very much. Emma, what a doll. Again, to Emma, that's twice. She deserves two cheers. <laughs> Thank you, Emma. Really, I, honest, honestly, that, we, we appreciate that. It's very cool. I'd love to see more of that. Anyway, so that book's coming out November 20th, and that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, in that post, he mentioned an important thing. Uh, the Winds of Winter, the long-awaited sixth book in his story, is not coming out this year in 2018. Which mean, <laughs> which we thought, right? Oh yeah. I well, mean, you never can know, but I, I, I don't think anybody's shocked. And is a refresher. It How long has he been working on this? Well, the last book came out in 2011. Uh, this one right here. That's a long time to wait for. The so next book. yeah, that is you know we've been waiting seven years now. <laughs> um, it 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 is a while. He didn't say when it might come out, but not coming out this year. And I guess you can't rush art. It's, yes, you can't rush art. I agree with that. <laughs> you can maybe Speed discipline yourself and be efficient, but he's probably doing that. I don't want to visit his intentions or anything. Right. But anyway, and, and because he said that one thing, it opened up the comments to questions about the winds of winter, which usually he doesn't allow. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, as he explained, he just gets bombarded with the same questions over and over and over again. And I do get that. Sure. Um, but because he opened it up, people asked questions, and he was he was really freaking chatty in this um, comment thread. Like he, he, he's talking a lot. Like since this came out, I just read more. It's like 
eight pages worth of more material. Wow. But some of the highlights he hit were, um, they're not coming out in 2018. Some of his publishers have suggested that he split the Winds of Winter Next Screen book into two books. And he was having none of it. He said he's resisting the idea. Because I'm not sure if you know this, actually. The last two books, Feast for Crows and A Dance with Dragons, were intended to be one book. So, so he's done it before. I mean, a book that big just terrifies me. <laughs> he's done it before. I mean, I, I, I would say that it wasn't a hugely successful experiment because both of those books are very detailed, obviously. Clearly, yep. <laughs> Go very deep into that world-building stuff he loves so much. Um, there's not a ton of... Like, for all those pages, there's not a ton not a of, of plot movement. Not a lot of meat. No, I mean, it, it's how you define meat. Like, there's meat. Mm-hmm. There's, there's juice. There's really descriptive meat. Very descriptive meat. <laughs> the, he describes the meat in minute detail. <laughs> like, literally. He probably does. There's a lot of description of food. Um... But the, 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 I'll say this. The plot doesn't move in those two books as much as it does in this one, the first book. Okay. Um, and so, frankly, I'm a, I would be worried. So you think he should maybe just condense the one he's working on? I think he should maybe embrace editing and um, <laughs> cutting out things you don't need. But again, I'm not there. I haven't read the stuff. Maybe it's all needed all the time. And fan, re- and fan reactions run the gamut all over this. Some people think he, like me, well, I think this... That he should edit. Some people think keep it all in. In any case, he's resisting the idea of putting them into two books, which I think is a good idea. I, I, I wouldn't want to repeat a two-book long wait where just, like, take what you need, put it into the one book, and give us that story. That's what I would be I'm with you, Dan, if I were to for. read the books someday. What about you guys? I am curious. What do you think? Would you be okay with the ones that have been split into two books? Have any responses there? Ooh, Gary says, there's similarity between GRM's design engineering of GOT and the scrupulously assembled universe of Westworld. Hmm. The methodology, not the content, just to be clear. Interesting comment. Yeah, I, I uh, agree with you. Are, are you watching Westworld at all, Kayla? I watched like the first two or three episodes of the first season and did yeah, not enough. finish it. I, it's dense. It's, it is. It's, 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 is it's it a, worth watching? I mean, I like, I'll get yeah, back on for I enjoy sure. It. I just ran out of time. It's, With I all mean, my Real Housewives. <laughs> I don't blame you. I mean, Real Housewives, you, you think Game of Thrones has drama. <laughs> you don't know anything. You really don't. Um, I, I, I agree with you, Gary, that there is a, a, a meticulousness to, to both of those worlds. Although, yeah, I agree with you, too. It's, it's, it's not so much in the sprawl as just in uh, the focus. But, um, yeah, I like it. It's a good show. And Chris, no, doesn't want it. I agree with you, Chris. Anyway, we spent like eight minutes on that. He <laughs> Moving on. Uh, he also said he has not begun work on A Dream of Spring, the final book. Some fans had this crazy idea. He was, like, writing them concurrently, which was always a pipe dream in my head. But So that's confirmed there. And um, he confirmed that he is providing participation and guidance for the Game of Thrones prequels in development at HBO. Okay. Another thing to, you know, focus on. Yep. And I guess the question there like is... Like he needs something else. Like he needs... Well, <laughs> just... Keep the shade with the lightest touch. Um, I guess the question there is, you know, is it worth it to uh, spend your time focusing on something like that, which would take you away from writing, but at the same time, you want those shows to be good. So if you have to make that choice, what choice do you make? I think it would be hard to write a book 
about a series that's already out past you know what i mean like it would be hard to like not yeah, pay attention yeah. to that and just go on your own path it will it, it probably is hard yeah it probably is i mean he's had his ideas in place for a long time but he also the tale kind of grows in the telling as he's said a couple of times so yeah it it, it it's not easy for the guy <laughs> this we know just a, just a complicated situation around this gentleman <laughs> And uh, finally, he made one comment that really scared me. I just want to read it real out loud really quickly. He was talking about famous authors who didn't finish kind of their masterworks. Yes. Um, and he said, I do intend to finish Song of Ice and Fire, of course, but doubtless Peak, Dickens, Fitzgerald, and Tolkien would have said the same about their books that they didn't finish. Is so, he trying to, like, drop hints or something? I think he's just giving us a history lesson on unfinished books. But if you want to be terrified by it, you're welcome to. Take that as you will. Take that as you will. And finally, before we get into the next episode of um, A Song of Dan and Josh, our read-through of A Game of Thrones, uh, we have some news that um, I had by request from you. You wanted to know what's happening with the wedding of Kit Harrington and Rose Leslie, and John Stone Yagret. I mean, they came through. Or the Daily Mail came through with a report <laughs> that... As they do. Um, as they do. That it's happening very soon, apparently. And the, the cute bit is they stamped all their... Not stamped. Well, I guess they used Jon Snow stamps on all their wedding invitations. Love it. Love it. Do you? I think it's cute? I think I love... I love when people do this. I like when they acknowledge their characters in real life. Fair enough. I mean, do you think it's like too... Not serious enough for a wedding? I mean, you have to have a stamp. Why not use one with Jon Snow? Yeah, they're cute. Yeah, they make them. Yeah. <laughs> Good stamp. Those are available in uh, the UK from the Daily Mail. Very adorable. I wonder if it'll be a Game of Thrones themed reception. I super. You know, you never know. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of cute because they didn't meet on the set, right? Yeah. Why not honor that? I mean, it's at a castle, yes. At a, I had a castle, yes. But if you're English, that's just kind of where you do it. Oh. <laughs> We're not as fancy over here in America. If we had castles, we'd get married at them. True. Uh, according to the Daily Mail, they're keeping it really, they're trying to keep it on the down low because they're afraid that if news of where and when it happens gets out, do you have fans like any sort of ballpark? It. Like, are we talking May, June? The only thing the Daily Mail reported was that it's happening in the very near future. I wonder if it's going to be the same day as Megan and Harry's, May 19th. Probably not. They well, do if that. it was, I mean, it'd be a good, who, like, whose would you want to watch more? Right. Uh, well, one's televised and one's not, probably. Yet. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Depending on a fan's I mean, the, their idea on. was they're not going to tell people about it. Or they're asking the guests not to blab because they don't want fans swapping it, which I could totally see happening. Well, doing it on the royal wedding day would be a great way to take away That's from it. That's a good it. point. Yeah. Maybe they are. I think you have something here. That's worth Ooh. investigating. Oh, that's worth the follow-up. Wedding watch, Game of Thrones begins now. Harrington, Leslie, Hair Watch, Wedding Watch, Game of Thrones, 2018, Super Bowl. Why didn't we send you to Scotland, like, covering the wedding? <laughs> like everyone's doing for the royal wedding. I, I can't think of one good reason. <laughs> I'm going to ask my bosses about this. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't care for my behalf. Anyway, that is the Game of Thrones Snog by Fire News. Oh, uh, Samuel said, I guess it's fine. Oh, to, it's to Samuel on whether they should split with winner up into two books. It's fine as long as they release simultaneously. Imagine waiting eight more years for Windsor Winter Part 2 and eight more for the last one. I don't want to imagine no, that, Samuel. I really don't. You. So, yeah. 
if they release if they release simultaneously, how about like Infinity War, like one this year and one next year? I could get on board with that. Other than that, no, I agree. Please, no. Maybe it'll be best if he releases it. Maybe he's doing this on purpose to release it after season eight airs. So then it's like you, it's the I've gift that, that keeps giving. Yeah, I've heard that. Uh, quite possibly. Kind of doubt it. Okay. <laughs> any other thoughts? About what? Anything at all. I'm very excited wedding, for this Sorcerer Game Martin. of Thrones wedding. <laughs> I will do my best to report it. I'm sure some stuff will leak out. I, I, I hope they don't get swamped with fans. I hope no one like crashes it. Game of Thrones wedding crashers. That'd be a fun wedding to crash. They'd be, and it's small. You said it's like 200 guests. Yeah. That's a pretty fairly small wedding. I think so. Hopefully it goes off well. Intimate, close friends and family. This Love time it. next week, maybe we'll have their wedding picture arranged artfully with the flower girl and the dog that has the rings tied to the neck or something. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, if anyone's going to have it, it's going to anyway, be um, Dan. If you're headed out, Kayla, why don't you pour your wine into my glass and then... Um, really? No, oh, no, never mind. You, you, you can keep it. <laughs> Do you want it? I was just going to take it with me. Go take it with Unless you. Unless you want more. But there's the bottle I'm, right I'm there. okay. Okay. See you guys next week. Good to be back with you. Yes. Cheers, Until Kelly. next time. Thank you Cheers. very much. Thank you, Dan. Now we're going to bring on Mr. Josh Hill, who is helping me read through A Game of Thrones in a series we call A Song of Dan and Josh. Um, I've read the books multiple times. Josh has never read the books. Uh, we read them through together, see what we can find. Um, Josh, how are you doing? How have these last two weeks been to you? They've been very good. Hi, everybody. <laughs> if, if you're a long-time Hi, watcher. everybody. <laughs> you're like everybody. Dr. Nick every time I show up. Oh, man. So okay. I guess with Winds of Winter, like, he has to give us some time to catch up with a song of Dan and Josh. Like, he has to know. Yeah, he I think should. this is he, why he he's really delaying should. the publication of the book at this point. That's a good point. I like it. He probably pays attention to this. <laughs> We have very good questions in the chat because the people that watch this show are wonderful people. They do. Julie and who are some of the other people that are here? Oh, Kenny Damo asks, what panels will I be on at uh, Con of Thrones? Yes. That's a good question. I'll be on three panels, Kenny, um, one of which was announced, and I forget which one it was. Is that the juicy one that you teased the other week and you're like, you're going to have to wait? Now, I'm on three. One's been announced. <laughs> I don't want to announce the other two without permission. Oh. I'm on one. I'll say which one is top of my head. I'm on one about um, the effect Game of Thrones has had on the world of television. How television mm. has changed because of it. And I think it has. Do big you? time. Oh, big time. You Amazon TV. is making a, a Game of Thrones style show specifically because of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like, that doesn't happen without this. I think it's changed it completely. Absolutely. And all the imitators, some have risen, some have fallen. Like, show like Outlander. Like, it's, it's not a Game of Thrones film, yeah. but it wouldn't have gotten made without Game of Thrones being a success. What was, there was a book, I think Terry Brooks wrote it, The Chronicles of Shannaria or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that got made. That was an canceled. MTV show, and I don't, and yeah, it got canceled, but the point is, like, that doesn't get made, I don't think, without the it's credit like, that Game of Thrones built up. It's made like, like a TV arms race to go bigger. It's, it's like, it, like Westworld, too. It's not like Game of Thrones, but mm. that kind of spending yeah. on a show, Game of Thrones proved that could be successful. Yep. That's how, it's, that's how it's affected it. Also, really quick, before we go into the next thing, you don't have glasses anymore. Why? Because I sat on them when I was, tra- <laughs> when I was trying on clothes, and... It was really good, too, because I was taking pictures to show somebody and be like, yeah, this jacket looks really good. And I was sitting down. And as I was sitting down, realizing that the jacket looked really good, I was like, I'm sitting on my glasses. And I put them on and they're all crooked. I actually had fixed them and I was worried that they were crooked. And then I adjusted them and they all fell apart on me. And I was like, it's like every person with glasses worst nightmare. 
It's like when you get hit in the face playing sports and the glasses come off. It's a weird thing, but all right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to embarrass you. I thought no, it's not embarrassing. Wanted to get in context. Well, cool. I just had to clear that up because I've noticed, and maybe you noticed too. Anyway, let's talk about A Song of Ice and Fire, a Game yes. of Thrones. We read two chapters this Two very this good week. chapters. You read? Okay, let's get, a, get a start it started then. We read uh, Catelyn mm-hmm. 7, yep. which is the one where Bronn and Sir Vardis Egan fight for Tyrion's life. Mm-hmm. What struck you about this one? And Bronn wins. Bronn um, wins all over the place. I don't know. I, I feel like Catelyn is starting to kind of... I don't want to say like unravel the mystery of John Aaron, this big MacGuffin that we have, but his name did come up a couple of times that she was wondering which of the Lannisters killed him and all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, I don't know. What really stuck out to me in this chapter, I think is a continuation of the last chapter that we read where Tyrion was kind of figuring things out on the fly, but then fell into this lucky trap where, um, Lysa wanted him dead so bad that she would do it at any means necessary, which ended up being the thing that saved him because Braun, I mean, kicked ass in this here. So I mean, Lysa underestimated. Yeah, I, I guess so. Underestimated the extent to which Tyrion could actually pull this off. Like, underestimated, and I also think that she. I guess the analogy could be she danced before she crossed the goal line. She was kind of celebrating Tyrion, <laughs> yeah, totally. di- being able to kill Tyrion and do something that Catelyn couldn't do because remember, we've got this, this sibling rivalry kind of going on here. Um, and then it didn't work out. So poor, poor Lysa, but d- that doesn't poor really Lysa. surprise me. I did like that this chapter was from the point of view of Catelyn watching all of this happen and yeah, not Tyrion. That was interesting. So, because I could easily have seen this be Tyrion kind of, the dramatic, the literary dramatics of it, I could see it in Tyrion trying to watch Bronn fight for his life mm-hmm. and think, hearing what he was thinking. But I did like this coming from Catelyn and her perspective and kind of watching everything unfold and how it affects her and how it affects the things it moving too. forward. So. It could be more like dispassionate because if it was in Tyrion's head, maybe he would be um, like more invested in Bronn winning, obviously. Yeah. So it, it would be a different kind of fight. Mm-hmm. And we chose this. We can get a little more of an unbiased view. <clears throat> and she also view. was. She also came to the conclusion, too, that like Tyrion is more valuable to her alive. So oh, like, he she absolutely doesn't, is. She doesn't need him dead. So she did kind of have a dog in the fight a little bit. Even because, well, I mean, going back he's and her forth. prisoner. Yeah. She, she wants... I guess she would be very conflicted, wouldn't she? Because, I mm-hmm. mean, like, if Bronn wins, Tyrion goes free. She doesn't want that. Yeah. If Bronn loses, Tyrion dies. She doesn't want that. Mm-mm. So she's doing what you don't. By the way, really quick, Kenny says that you look younger without the glasses. That's what everybody says. I mean, it's true. I was in Marshall's the other day. Let's be honest. You look pretty young with the glasses. I know. When I had my glasses on, I was in Marshall's the other day. I was trying something on. You know, they give you the the pitch to kind of get a credit card, a store credit card, whatever like that. And the lady stopped in the middle of it. And she said, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 25. (laughs) And she's like, oh, good. You look like you're 17. So I was sure. I wanted to make sure you could open a credit card. I was like, You're going to get carded until you're like in your mid-30s. Well, it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> it's a blessing. <laughs> Believe me, the older you get, the more blessing it is. Anyway, uh, the best thing I like about this chapter is um, kind of the the way Martin again flips the script on us in a way. Mm-hmm. Because this, the, the whole reason Lysa didn't expect any pushback, or she expected Sir Vardis, her trusted champion, to win, mm-hmm. is because people on her level, people who are rich and royal and kind of privileged, are not they don't consider people like Bronn to be an entity at all. No. Like, it doesn't enter into their head that someone who doesn't wear fancy armor mm-hmm. and isn't, you know, a, a landed knight who has training and comes from a good family yeah. is ever going to win. And that's uh, something that's, I think, interesting because 
by by the end of the, like five books later, no one will be thinking that mm. because we're gonna get we're gonna plunge into war. It's gonna get nasty. But in 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 the first book and in this chapter, we're still kind of in like this this like area in Westeros where people are like a little restless. Like it's been more or less peaceful. People want a fight almost, yeah. and people like Lysa have been able to forget that when you really cross sword to sword, things get ugly and violent and brutal and nasty really, really fast. Yeah. Like, there's a bit here um, where one of the lords is like, let's cut Tyrion's heads off and send him to Jaime. Mm -hmm. Now, like, three books down the line, when everyone's fighting everyone and a lot of people have died, like, you're not going to have that braggadocious attitude. But Mm -hmm. here, when everyone's just like, when it's in a peacetime context and they can afford to, like, you know, strut around and act tough, they'll do that. Yeah. And this is this is the calm before the storm, even though it's not terribly calm at all. Yeah. And the other way they flip the script is that, again, uh, Bronn doesn't do what you're supposed to do in this fight. This is a this is a, a trial by combat. It's a courtly battle mm-hmm. where two people get in their their mail and their swords, and their and their helmets and whatever, mm-hmm. and they fight like gentlemen. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's kind of like it's like a duel. It, like yeah, an I mean, duel. It, it literally is yeah. a duel. Only if someone actually dies at the end. Yeah. Well, and Alexander Hamilton died after a duel. So. Do you know, too? Like, I didn't realize I saw the play. Like, he died. He, that's, not, that's not like the only duel he fought in his life. No, but it has a common thing. Barry Lyndon. There yes, you go. Barry Lyndon. So. And then Alexander <laughs> Hamilton's son died in a duel, too. Mm. Against Aaron Burr, someone who knew him. Trial by combat back in the day. Trial by combat. It's about, because it, honor is mixed up in mm-hmm. it. Like, yeah. you're not supposed to do what Braun does, mm-hmm. which is fight to win. Mm-hmm. Which is dress down, move around <laughs> yeah. a lot. Like, push a statue onto the dude. Yeah. Like, using the set dressing to your advantage. And um, I think he does a good job of showing how doing it the right way, getting in all this armor. Like, he mentions how Servardus Egan wears this big, thick helmet where he can't see out the sides of it because it's mm-hmm. so, like, it's so yeah. thick and intense. But he can only, like, see right forward. Puts him at his advantage because he can't see where Bronn's coming from. Yeah. And there's even one point... Uh, Robin Aaron says, they're not fighting good, mother. I want them to fight. Because Bronn is not fighting for show. He's fighting to win. Yeah. And he wins. Yeah. So the message is, you're not supposed to play the game the way they want you to play it. Find another way to play it, and that's how you're going to actually beat it. What a theme for a Game of Thrones. Don't play the game the way you're supposed to. That is something right? that comes up more and more. Hashtag so. irony. Oh, it totally is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, we know because we watch the show that uh, Ned Stark gets killed. Because... Mm-hmm. And again, we, we come back, we've said this again and again, but it bears repeating. He's the honorable, straightforward one yep. who does the right thing. Yeah. He plays the game the way it's supposed, supposed to be played, and he dies. So don't play it the right way is a theme that comes up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even Lysa a bit isn't above this. So when, so when Tyrion wins, right, he's free, but he, it doesn't mean he's going to live. No. He still has to cross through the mountains where they came up. The fine like, print. That those chapters ago, yeah. where they were attacked by those ragged mountain clans, and she's like, "Yeah, you're free to walk through all that. I'm not <laughs> going to give you an escort. See if you live through that, Jagweed." So she tries that. So everyone's trying to to, to play the game their own way, and um, people like Tyrion are pretty smart. They can get through it. But like Lysa are dumb. They're going to mess up. But uh, I don't have a conclusion in that sentence. What are your thoughts? <laughs> no, I yeah the. the... 
flipping of the script is something that's kind of come up with different chapters. You know, like we said, it's the very existence of Ned's character is the punchline is this this the script is going to get flipped on him. So yeah, that's the punchline. Good call. So I, I do enjoy when we see it because that's the big picture flip. These little things where it's like this is a thing that more than one person is thinking about. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the characters that are kind of playing outside of the rules, you know, a little finger, brawn, Tyrion to an extent. Jamie and Cersei for sure. Those are the characters that rise up and then they become yeah. more prominent later in the series. I'm assuming in the books as well. Oh, so yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's kind of like he's this whole book so far. I've thought of it as like setting up the rest of the story, even though we're in the story. But this is kind of he's no, taking right. he's taking all of these concepts like you have to play the game fair. There's rules here and tearing them down so that later on it's like there are no rules here. So when the White Walkers show up, when Jon Snow and all this kind of stuff, the dragons, there's no rules. So it kind of heightens the stakes. And I like that that's the way that we're approaching I mean, I knew it was going to happen, but I do like that this is seeing it play out. The slow burn of it is really kind of paying off already. Yes. Civilization is up, and it's like starting to rock back and forth, Mm -hmm. and we're going to get to the point where it's just like... Mm -hmm. And like those two... Even Robert, like Robert Baratheon doesn't play the game the way it's supposed to be played, but he still does it within the rules. Like he doesn't go outside. Like we saw all these conversations he's had with Ned. Mm-hmm. There's been opportunities for him to do, quote unquote, the right thing, which is actually outside of the rules. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't do it either right. because he doesn't want to because he's lazy or he doesn't want to because that's not the way that things are done. And slowly, and this is true in society too, you see people like that. He's gotten for lack of a better term, get killed off. So they, they're no <laughs> longer in prominent positions of power because they don't adapt. And this is characters adapting in real time, literally in real time in a fight, a trial by combat. So I kind of liked it the way that that was kind of laid yeah, me out. Yeah, too. And also fight choreography, always fun. Yeah. Before we move on really quick, some vocabulary I want to get through because yes. these words recur. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't know I love them. the vocabulary. You know what's fun is that like, I, I've read this book before, but I just, I didn't really slow down and like look at this until mm-hmm. I like have to think about it and talk about it. Okay. <laughs> Balustrade. It's okay. a railing with, supported by ornamental columns. Okay. Catelyn's leaning on them a lot in this chapter. Okay. Coif. Coif. I think it's coif. Coif. Is like a hood of mail. I'm sure you've seen them like... Medieval movies, it's yeah. like a little like, like a little like kind of dangly mm-hmm. hood made of iron to like. Yeah. It's like a little thin skin for your head, and uh, lobstered metal. He mentioned this a lot, like armored made of lobstered steel. Mm. Okay, so this is like I think we have a picture if if we kept it. Um, no picture. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, lobstered mail or lobstered steel is kind of like plates of steel that are kind of put. Like a lobster on shell. top of yeah, like a lobster, like a lobster on top shell. of one another, and like they overlap, so you have the protection in your armor. You can still like move. It, mm-hmm. it allows a little more flexibility. Yeah. So keep those terms in mind. I can use balustrade in balustrade. In, in, in in my daily life. I think. All right, moving on to John five. John. Only John five. Surprised you it's been that little. Yeah, um, but it does really establish the isolationist approach that he's taking it here because he's just he's out there he's north he's on the wall he's He's in another way from everything yeah so we've got and it's kind of that's the way that we've had these conversations when we were talking about the last season of the show about how he's up there at the wall and all this stuff is happening we have all the politics cersei blowing up the septa baylor um and all this all the politics that are happening when really none of it matters because the white walkers are coming 
that's to me i'm getting that nihilistic feel here where it's like there's really mm-hmm. nothing up here there's nothing everything else that's happening all of the dramatic all the drama with ned and the trial by combat doesn't mean anything because up here this is where everything's the the bleep is going to hit the fan so but it could be like it, it could be by design because yeah. i mean to oh, me sure. i think that the stuff in the middle with king's landing and you know cersei and Bronn fighting and for, for Tyrion's mm-hmm. life is more interesting than stuff on the wall. Oh, yeah. But that's the point. Yeah. Like, it's not interesting, but you better pay attention to it or it's going to kill you all. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, kind of an in-between chapter. Interesting, this chapter is, I think, one of the first we've come to so far that just was straight up, like, nothing is of this is in the, is in the show. Hmm. I think they graduated, and Alistair Thorne gave them the speech about how you're all stupid and you're bad at your jobs <laughs> and you're going to get killed out there. But, uh... That's about it. That's what my, I was told at my high school graduation, too. Really? Oh, yeah. Your high school <laughs> sounds um, like it's in dire need of an audit. Yeah, maybe. But, I haven't been there for a while. <laughs> it served me well, though. <laughs> All right. Well, let that simmer. Um, the bulk of this chapter, though, is kind of John making a personal decision. Mm-hmm. So he rides out after he graduates from, I don't know, Marine cadet training. And as always, I just think about Full Metal, ja- Full Metal Jacket because Alistair <laughs> Thorne, I'm sorry, he was calling it's true, them. yeah. Like, you're all useless and you're going to die like flies. Mm-hmm. I just flash back to him calling, the Arlie Emery calling them scumbags and mm-hmm. maggots and just they're worthless. Um, but John rides out to the King's Road and kind of has a moment where he's like, do I really want to do this, join the Night's Watch, or should I just go? So that the King's Road filled John Snow with a vast longing. Winterfell is down that road. And beyond it, River Run and Kangas Landing and the Erie and so many other places. All the places that John would never see. The world was down that road, and he was here. What decision does he make, and why does he make it? I mean, he stayed. <laughs> he does, yeah, that, that, so, that, 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 that's the decision. He spoilers stays. for everybody who hasn't read or seen the show. Um, I, I was glad. I didn't. I knew that he was going to stay. Of course. And I had a little thing when I was thinking about it, like, what would happen if he did go? And I don't think that his story would be nearly as interesting if he had gone and become, like oh, we were saying, no, because, a part of all of this. I mean, he, he's our anchor up for everything that happens at the wall. Yeah, and he's much more interesting, isolated from the story, creating his own thing, which is, mm-hmm. you know, he's the bastard son. He has to do that. That's his, that's right. kind of his, his thing in life. But I think it's why he doesn't go, because he's like, I'm a bastard. Yeah. There's nothing really for me back yeah. there. Like, Catelyn hates me. Even if, I mean, I have brothers, but I'm their bastard brother. Mm -hmm. So I have an actual family here. But that's why I liked it, because it was, that was him kind of identifying his purpose in a way. He felt like he had a family, even though, you know, Ned was kind of always nicer to him than everybody else Mm -hmm. was. He does feel very at home here, which is, again, why I like that it's just so dark and desolate and it's this abandoned place because he's the abandoned bastard child. He's a gloomy kind of guy. It kind of fits. The emo Jon Snow because he's a teenager. He's a teenager. He's um, like 15 or something. Yeah, so his his decision to stay makes it a far more interesting story because I did consider what if he would have left and become kind of part of this pomp and circumstance that we have with all of the flash and flare. And I just didn't really, I don't think it serves it much better that he's here and is that driving oh, force. Up completely. North. I mean, he has to be here, but it's, it's an important moment for him. Where yeah. He decides I'm committing to this. Yep. His purpose. And committing to the Night's Watch means committing to his Night's Watch brothers means committing to Sam, mm-hmm. the at least of the Night's Watch little brothers. Little Sam. Oh, little Sam. I mean, the, 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 kind of the most of this chapter is John convincing Maester Eamon 
to graduate Sam. Because mm-hmm. Sam, unsurprisingly, did not graduate with the rest of them because he is terrible at what he does <laughs> and is, cannot fight. Yeah. And John gives this kind of pr- pretty elaborate speech about how, uh, you know, a, a maester's chain needs different medals and Night's Watch needs different kind of people. And Sam's a different kind of person. He can, he can read and do sums and help you, maester, in, a, in your library. It struck me as, like, really advanced for a 15-year-old. It's yeah. like a very well-put-together metaphor. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. John's I mean, a mopey, introspective kind of guy. Maybe he thought about that He really while. needed to sell Sam graduating, though. So He did. I think, I think he had thought about it for a while. It was, I mean, convi- it was a convincing it argument. Yeah, yeah it did. It, it seemed to convince the guy. Interestingly, and we don't really get this in the book that, in the show that much, but um, so he's suggesting that Sam replace another dude named Chet who is currently Chet. the maester's assistant. Yeah, the, the, the <laughs> names in this book are, are like either... Generally, I, I think that they're pretty good at being like fantasy-ish, but not too fantasy-ish. Chet. Like Cersei is not a name you, no. like you know someone named Cersei, mm-hmm. but it's still like not so out there that you yeah. can't accept it. Yeah. Like Chet might be a little too normal. Chet is like, I feel like he should have his collar popped every single time he's coming <laughs> out. Like Chet's a very... He is clearly a dick. He's like, true. Oh, you can't he's see prepping. the maester. He's asleep. Go away. <laughs> Chet. Chet. Yeah. But anyway, so he basically like, have Sam replace Chet. Chet yep. can't even read. Chet's stupid. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chet won't forget that because as, as you'll see, like nothing is ever forgotten in these books. That's yep. why these two books are this big. And like nothing happens in these two books. Um, <laughs> not a very good sales pitch for me to want to read them. I mean, you have to read That's them. That's true. Sorry. Anyway. That happens, and then I think that's about it. Um, yeah, it was very self-contained. Yeah, it, it, it was a nice little quick kind of character, characterific chapter. Any other closing thoughts about this or the other one? I mean, with this one, it was more or less the bonding of Sam and John, and John which you know is going to happen. But, it, you know, I, I feel like it happened slower on the show, and we didn't really – it was kind of a more of an instant thing where John was like, I feel bad for this guy. I want to I pick him up. And you kind of had to read Kit Harrington's facial cues to see, oh, I'm feeling bad for this guy. Whereas here, I did like kind of getting in his head and feeling all of the things that he feels about Sam. Because it is an important friendship. And for a guy who we just established didn't go back home because he doesn't feel like he has a home, having Sam there and knowing how he feels about Sam, I think really drove home the emotional point of it. I think you're right. I think it's all, this chapter is all about like when he's at the crowd and he's making the decision, do I go to Winterfell or do I go back to the Night's Watch? It's that it's like he has actual brothers, but they're, they'll never be truly his brothers because mm-hmm. he's a bastard, but he has effective brothers who are like are contractually obligated by the law of the realm to be his brothers <laughs> at, at, at Castle Black. So he's, Sticking with the new family he's found. And yeah. that includes the least among them. And in many ways, Sam, for all his gifts, is certainly the least among fighters. If the least not physically uh, equipped. If not scholars. Yeah. But John understands his value. John's he like, does. you know, he's not a great fighter, but he can read and stuff. So use him. Leadership qualities. <laughs> yeah. And, Sam, and I mean, as we see, Sam benefits from that. Sam, yeah. Sam, Sam will grow. Sam will benefit from mm-hmm. John's generosity and faith. Anyway, thank you, Josh. This has been a delight. Uh, Diana, by the way, asks, is the word quaffer the one you were giving the, the definition to or a different one? The word was quaff, C-O-I-F. That's the way it was spelled in the book. I might be pronouncing it wrong. 
but that's what was said. C-O-I-F. Metalhood. I'm Oof. not sure what a coiffer is. We'll take a vocabulary journey with this series, I'm sure. <laughs> There's plenty of funky words in here. Anyway, next week I think we should read uh, the next Tyrion chapter okay. and the next Eddard chapter. About 20-odd, 20 pages altogether. All right. On next Wednesday, we're back for another episode of Take the Black Live. Till then, you can uh, download uh, the audio version on iTunes and Google Play. And we will see you next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time right. here on the Winners Coming Facebook page. Thanks a lot for watching.